America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. The probable cause affidavit was recently released for Brian Koberger, and there were some shocking details in it. Plus, there was information that Brian's phone was turned off at 2.47 a.m. when it was tracked leaving Brian's residence and traveled through Pullman, Washington. The phone also coincides with information of the white Hyundai Elantra, and we learned that Brian drives a 2015 Hyundai Elantra. There were multiple sightings of that car on video in the King Road neighborhood, which is where the students lived from 3.29 a.m. to 4.20 a.m. on November 13th, 2022, the night of the murders. The car entered the area four times, and the fourth was at 4.04 a.m., and it departed the area at 4.20 a.m. at a high rate of speed. His phone reconnects at 4.48 a.m. The authorities believe that the murders took place between 4 o'clock and 4.25 a.m. I will do another video regarding the car, but today we're going to talk about what happened inside the house. So now, let's get into it. On November 13, 2022, it was said that everyone was home by 2 a.m. Zana and Ethan had been out. They were out from 9 p.m. to 1.45 a.m. at the sorority house. It was confirmed by one of the surviving roommates at the house. Maddie and Kaylee arrived at 1.56 a.m. just after they picked up some food at the grub truck. The surviving roommates were also home by 2 a.m. according to these documents. Let's get into the timeline from the 4 o'clock mark, the time where the authorities believe was the beginning of the murders. At 4 a.m., according to the documents, everyone was in the house by 4 o'clock and in their room, except for Zana, who ordered food from DoorDash. Now, around this time, DM, one of the surviving roommates, we find out that she was actually sleeping on the second floor. This was a surprise. In my previous videos, I had wondered who was in that empty spot. We thought, most of the public thought, that the two surviving roommates were on the very bottom floor. Now, DM wakes up and she said it sounded like Kaylee was playing with her dog upstairs. A short time later, she thought she heard Kaylee say something to the effect of there's someone here. It also says in the document that Zana was on her phone at 4.12 on TikTok. Now, a little interesting note here, we've heard reports of it being really quiet in between the floors of that house. We heard that from a previous tenant. So I could understand the sound coming from upstairs, what it sounds like the dog playing, but I'm curious about the roommate saying she heard something to the effect that there's someone here from Kaylee upstairs, unless it's through the vent. Not that it's wrong, I'm just curious about the sound because of what we've been hearing. So 4.12 a.m., Zana's on TikTok, and then DM looks out of her bedroom and doesn't see anything when she heard someone was in the house. She looks a second time when she thought she heard crying coming from Zana's room, and then she heard a male voice say something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Zana was killed and had defensive wounds. And according to her father, he said that it did reveal in autopsy that Zana had defensive wounds. Now at 417, 
a neighbor security cam picks up audio from the house. It picks up distorted audio of what sounded like a voice or whimper followed by a loud thud. A dog can be heard barking numerous times starting at this time. A lot of us wondered about that. And the security camera is less than 50 feet from the west wall of Zana's bedroom. Now, sometime after 4.17 a.m., DM sees the killer. DM then opens her door for a third time after she heard the crying, and she said she saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covered the person's mouth and nose walking towards her. Now, remember, with DM hearing somebody possibly crying, and we know Zana had defensive wounds, Zana sees this black figure clad in black and had everything covered on his mouth and his nose. That's freaking terrifying. DM describes the figure as five foot 10 or taller. Brian is six feet. Not very muscular, but athletically built with bushy eyebrows. He then walks past DM and she says she was standing there in a frozen shock face. He walked towards the back sliding glass door. Now, if we look at the actual map, we can see at the top of this picture, that's where Zana's bedroom is. And at the bottom right, that's where the bedroom of DM is. So she would see him walk from Zana's bedroom and then walk across through the living room. And for him to leave through the sliding glass door, he would go south through that foyer, through the kitchen, and then out the door. DM then locked herself in the bedroom. And the investigators believe that the murderer left through that sliding glass door. Now, I did a live stream where I read out the entire document. You can see that below or in my playlist. And people were asking why 911 wasn't called right away. Now, we don't know what exactly happened in there. And we don't know what a person would do in shock and there's somebody in the house, she locks herself in the room, she wouldn't know if there's more than one person and she wouldn't know when the guy actually left, only, you know, guess. I mean, she goes in there and locks the room, it's for a reason. Maybe she didn't have a phone with her there. I do wanna bring up the thought of, we heard that the phone was used the next morning or around noon to make the 911 call and it wasn't by the roommate, it was somebody else. So it could be all kinds of things. We don't know what we would actually do when it's something like that and it's, it's so terrifying. But according to the documents, it's believed that these homicides happened between 4 and 425 and thank God in some aspects that DM saw the perpetrator, the killer, because that could help a lot. Unfortunately, it comes with some major trauma. Now let's go back to where Zana and Ethan were found and where Kaylee and Maddie were found. Authorities came the next day and discovered Zana first. In the document it states, Officer Smith and I entered the King Road residence through the bottom floor door on the north side of the building. Officer Smith and I then walked upstairs to the second floor. Officer Smith directed me down the hallway to the west bedroom on the second floor, which I later learned through Zana's driver license and other personal belongings found in the room was Zana Kernodal's hereafter Kernodal room. Just before this room, there was a bathroom door on the south wall of the hallway. As I approached the room, I could see a body, later identified it as Kernodal's, laying on the floor. Kernodal was deceased with wounds which appeared to have been caused by an edged weapon. So she was laying on the floor, not in the bed as we thought. 
When it comes to Ethan, it says, also in the room was a male later identified as Ethan Chapin here after Chapin. Chapin was also deceased with wounds later determined. Autopsy report provided by Spokane County Medical Examiner dated December 15, 2022 to be caused by sharp force injuries. The authorities then went upstairs. It says, I then followed Officer Smith upstairs to the third floor of the residence. The third floor consisted of two bedrooms and one bathroom. The bedroom on the west side of the floor was later determined to be Kaylee Consalves, hereafter Consalves room. I later learned from review of Officer Nunez's body camera, there was a dog in the room when Moscow police officers initially responded. The dog belonged to Gonsalves and her ex-boyfriend Jack Decour. I found out from my interview with Jack on November 13, 2022, that he and Gonsalves shared the dog. Officer Smith then pointed out a small bathroom on the east side of the third floor. This bathroom shared a wall with Madison Mogan's hereafter Mogan bedroom, which was situated on the southeast corner of the third floor. Now, what is very interesting now is what he left behind. This gives me a little bit of a head scratcher in some aspects. First, the investigators found a latent shoe print that was shown in a diamond pattern, very similar to be like a Vans type shoe sole. It was located outside of DM's bedroom, which if you look at the map again, you'll see that the door is actually to the right of where the foyer goes to go walk out there. So she's lucky she locked the door. Maybe he didn't wanna bother trying to breaking it down. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe he didn't want to. We don't know any of those details, but again, that was there. It'll be interesting to find out if that shoe size matches Brian's. Also, I'm curious about what kind of um, other remnants of blood, obviously it's gonna be on a shoe, that, that was found outside the house or leading to his vehicle or something of that nature. Let me know what you think below. There was also a sheath found, which this is where I get a little bit of head scratching. There was a tan leather sheath laying on the bed next to Maddie's right side. And I think about would that mean, potentially mean that they were first, which I kind of thought they would be first anyways, in my opinion, many others had that opinion. I think even Steve, Kaylee's dad, thought that they were first, but the sheath was left beside Maddie. Interesting. Now I pulled up some more info about this K-bar knife and they used it since World War II. It's supposed to be, you know, one of the best kind of knives. In my research, it says K-Bar started supplying these knives and they soon became the prized possession of every fighting Marine. They depended on it for a combat weapon and for such everyday tasks as pounding tent stakes, driving nails, opening ration cans, or digging fighting holes, which are foxholes to the army. Their K-Bar was constantly at their side. It says it continues to be a favorite among Marines who adopt them as their personal option knife and carry them into active service, but it's also a favorite of adventurers, survivalists, outdoor sportsmen, and of course, knife collectors who know this knife. This American legend above all deserves a place in their collection, and so it is not only in America, but throughout the world. Now, one of the other things I read was that this knife was tempered to resist breaking under severe pressure and to accept and retain a super sharp edge, but also an edge that can be restored with reasonable ease even in the field. It has a slip resistant grip, and it says the finished knife is then a truly battle-ready K-Bar. Now, in a news article, it says K-Bar says they don't have any records of someone using the name Brian Kohlberger to purchase a knife sheath or any other products directly from them. I can't help but think that this 
weapon was carefully chosen by Brian and he did it intentionally even right down to the knife. Then with the sheath, this is where I get a little confused. We know he has been in school. He was going for his PhD, just finished the first semester in criminology and uh, you can't be a dummy to get to that point. However, there's some weird things here. Did he do this intentionally, just kind of poke the bear? Let me know what you think below. Or was it just in the heat of the moment, in the rage, he forgot that he had that? One more question I have to ask you. Why bring the sheath in? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And it was noted that they did find DNA on this sheath. I'm going to do another video on that. But why the heck bring it in, lay it on there, and then use it? Why not just leave it and not bring it in? Too many things. I don't know. That's my opinion. What do you think? Also, another thought, how does he leave that place without an enormous amount of blood even walking to the car? Or was it there? One more interesting thing about this, that Brian goes back the very next day. He goes home, according to the documents, but he comes back. At 9 a.m., he leaves his residence, he drives to Moscow, Idaho, and then from 9.10 to 9.21 a.m., the phone is in the King Road area. And then by 9.32, he's back at his own residence. It's chilling, so he went back. What was he coming back for, just to see what's going on and get the thrill? Was he worried about this uh, sheath? and maybe he didn't know about the other students. However, I doubt it uh, be, just because, well, one, he saw her potentially there, or maybe he didn't see her. And also he had been stalking, according to the documents, for quite some time. I will do a video outlining before entering this house and also after so we can see the getaway. Let me know your thoughts below. Check out the playlist here and you can check out my full reading of the documents on a live stream right here. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.